0: Chapter Eleven of the Land of the Broads by Ernest R. Suffling. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thurnmouth to Hickling, Martham, etc. Oh, summer is a pleasant time with all its sounds and sights, its dewy mornings, balmy eves, and tranquil calm delights i sigh when first i see the leaves fall yellow on the plain and all the winter long i sing sweet summer come again at eight a m we are once again under way returning along the river ant across barton broad and thence still along the ant to where it joins the bure then we turn sharp to the left and at noon past st bennet's abbey and arrive at thurnmouth leaving thurnmouth we pass the little village of thurn on the right hand the church here stands out boldly against the sky as it is perched conspicuously on a hill apart from the village thurn ashby and obie form one parish having been consolidated in 1604 the three villages contain about two hundred and fifty inhabitants between them obie manor house is an ancient building the barn attached is of great size and bears the date sixteen twenty two proceeding up the river thurn or hundred stream for about a mile we come to womack broad on our left a long inlet of delightfully picturesque aspect. Being an out of the way place, it affords a snug and appropriate sketching ground, and to the art student will give as much pleasure as many of the larger broads. The village of Ludham stands at the north end, and the nearest railway station is Potter Highham, two miles distant. Ludham, after the dissolution of st bennet at holmes abbey was given by henry the eighth to the bishop of norwich who converted the grange into an episcopal dwelling the greater part was burned down in sixteen eleven but the palace was restored and enlarged by bishop Harsnet, who built a chapel of brick this chapel after the bishop ceased to dwell here was converted into a granary, and the remainder of the edifice into a farmhouse, which is now called Ludham Hall. The church is a large building, and is dedicated to St. Catherine. The font, a very ancient one, is enriched with bas-reliefs. The screen is greatly admired. On it, remains of paintings of the twelve apostles may still be discerned, as also vestiges of gilding continuing eastward along the hundred stream we pass under higham bridge a favourite angling spot where many a finny monster has been lured to his doom the bridge is of stone and has three arches the two side ones however are too small to admit of boats passing through a few score yards farther on we pass under the railway bridge the station lies half a mile to the left the folgate inn has for a sign a model 5 barred gate hung in the usual manner and on the four lower crossbars is this verse this gate hang high and hinder none refresh then pay and travel on this verse was evidently the effort of a norfolk man as evidenced by the final s of the verbs hang and hinder being absent on our right we pass the hamlet of basswick with its solitary tower mourning the loss of its ruined church and continue straight along until we arrive at the dyke on the left leading into Hyam sound a celebrated haunt of the pike from the sound we pass into whitesley and thence through another dyke into the largest sheet of fresh water in norfolk hickling broad calling hickling broad whitesley and Higham sound one we have a magnificent lake three miles in length by nearly a mile in width at the widest part or at least seven hundred acres of water twice the area of hyde park london free for angling and sailing except in the channel which is marked out by stakes the broad is very shallow not averaging more than four foot or five foot so that in the case of an upset nothing more serious than a good ducking would result in the channel are spots seven foot or eight foot deep and in the dyke between the broad and whitesley it is deeper still the bottom is hard gravel greatly overgrown with weeds and therefore a remarkably good place for perch a good plan is to go at night with a pole and clear out the weeds for a space of several feet each way so as to leave a clear space for fishing by the morning the fish will have entered this space for feeding purposes when by quietness and care a good capture will result roach and rudd are quite as plentiful as perch in these waters a good place for angling is at the pleasure hill a semicircular rond of reeds growing near the centre of the broad another is the war bush nearly opposite there are many other favourite spots but by mentioning them i should expose my own quiet nooks which i regularly haunt two or three times a year at these places i have had many days excellent sport the staithe is at the north end where refreshments and boats may be obtained at the pleasure boat inn the country round the broad is rather flat AND THE SKYLINE ONLY BROKEN BY A FEW TREES, SOME TREMENDOUSLY TALL MILLS, AND THE GREY TOWERS OF A NEIGHBORING VILLAGE CHURCH OR TWO. I CAN MYSELF SPEAK WITH GREAT CERTAINTY OF THE ENORMOUS CATCHES OF FISH WHICH HAVE BEEN TAKEN HERE, HAVING LIVELY RECOLLECTIONS OF SOME OF THEM. FANCY A DAY'S CATCH AMOUNTING TO MORE THAN A STRONG MAN COULD CARRY WHEN PLACED IN A SACK and this is no fancy but a solid fact many long days have i spent on this broad without even once returning with a really poor bag the watermen who hang about the inn will in consideration of a glass of ale give you valuable information as to the best places for fishing and for half a crown you may secure the experienced aid of one of them for the day some of these men are very droll fellows full of quaint humour and water lore, and are well worth the money paid for their services if only to pump them and hear their yarns catfield station about two miles from the stave, is the nearest hereabout fishing here in a match against a friend in eighteen eighty one i landed one hundred and fifteen fish in two hours which weighed in the aggregate thirty four pounds ten ounces but this take would appear ridiculous by the side of some others of recent years a ground bait composed of small barley boiled with treacle and when cold mixed with a little earth is a favourite lure hickling village is about three-quarters of a mile from the staithe and is rather a large one but much scattered it contains about one thousand inhabitants the church of st mary is a very fine one only recently restored the vicarage was founded in the reign of edward i hickling priory half a mile north of the church in which were located a prior and nine canons was founded by theobald de Valoin in eleven eighty five and dedicated to st mary st austin and all saints for the use of canons of the order of st austin robert botild was the last prior in fifteen o three and with three of the canons signed to the king's supremacy in fifteen thirty four the ruins of the priory are rapidly diminishing the last window was taken down in eighteen twenty five and may now be seen in the porch of the farmhouse connected with the priory a mile to the north of the priory is calthorpe broad which is only about twelve or fourteen acres in extent and nearly grown up with reeds i have caught some large fish here but it is scarcely worth a visit that is to the angler although the artist will find it a very secluded and pretty spot and should not miss it we leave hickling staithe cross the broad and come back through whitesley and notice a dyke on the left at which we go for a mile and a half and emerge suddenly upon Halsey Mere, a noble expanse of water, one hundred and thirty acres in extent. The fishing here is preserved, but leave to angle may readily be obtained. A favourite spot is Benwall's Reach on the left, upon entering the Broad. This is a very pretty Broad, and also one of the quietest. The east end being only a mile from the sea we will not neglect to have a dip especially as we are to sleep here to-night until purchased by robert rising esquire who has only been deceased a few years the whole parish was at times flooded by incursions of the sea which entering the mere killed the fish that gentleman by having the marram banks repaired And the land drained brought this fenny district to a high state of productiveness. He also had a road made so that vehicular communication with the next village, Somerton, was established. The hall, the seat of Captain Rising, contains a good library and also a fine collection of Norfolk birds, all of which were shot in the immediate vicinity frequently in the shallow pools around this and other broads may be seen the stately heron plying his calling of fishing although this bird will eat many other things besides fish he is the most ardent fisherman his method is to stand quietly in a shallow pool until the minnows small roach or other fish play round his legs then. Like a flash of light, his long spear-like beak is darted among them with unerring aim, and a poor little victim is secured. The fish are caught sideways, but as the bird cannot swallow them in that way, they are jerked into the air, deftly caught head downward in the open mandibles, and then disappear for ever. Many naturalists affirm that herons neither swim nor dive but this idea is certainly erroneous as upon more than one occasion i have seen them swimming on hickling broad in the open channel where the water is six foot or seven foot deep and free from weeds although never an eye-witness of their diving powers i am assured that in warm weather they will occasionally dive and travel some distance before again appearing herons sometimes visit the beach peering into the little pools left by the retreating tide and regaling themselves with shrimps crabs little fish or anything by which the pools or as they are here called lows are inhabited although their staple food is fish they will also eat worms snails mice young birds or anything else toothsome for nesting purposes they invariably select the highest elm trees in the district and build their huge flat round table top looking nests quite at the summit the nests are composed of successive layers of large twigs small twigs coarse fibre and leaves and an inner lining of grass each layer is more concave than the previous one so that the inner one is fairly comfortable and hollow the hen lays about four or five eggs of a beautiful blue-green colour it used to be popularly supposed that a heron when incubating its eggs sat straddle-legged upon the nest like a man riding on horseback but this like the tails anent the barnacle goose is an exploded myth horsey being a treeless place the heron does not breed there but simply makes it with the surrounding district its summer residence horsey mere is a fine open expansive lake and is therefore a very suitable place for fishing or sailing horsey church all saints is a very old thatched building with a register dating from fifteen fifty nine the nearest railway station is martham at least four miles distant by road again returning through Hyam sound to the hundred stream or river Thurn, we turn sharp to the left and keep to the east until we arrive at martham broad which is nearly square and of about the same area as hawsey mere it is however not nearly so clear being in many places quite grown up this broad is about two miles from martham station by road but is not often visited by anglers although some good fish are to be obtained there And also in the Thurn. It is situated at the foot of a hill, on the highest part of which, a mile distant, is the church. This structure is one of the finest we have seen on our trip and should not be missed. It is built of flints and other stone in the early perpendicular style and has a lofty, square, embattled tower of fine proportions great care has been displayed in forming the flint stones into various patterns on the outer wall the chancel is a veritable work of art and quite a surprise on entering the church for the first time it was rebuilt and beautified at a cost of eight thousand pounds by catherine alice dawson as a memorial to her husband the reverend jonathan dawson the ancient octagonal font sculptured with representations of the seven sacraments of the catholic church and the last judgment dates from the fifteenth century the church itself was no doubt built in the reign of richard the second as we read that roger gunton in eleven sixty gave it to the prior and convent of norwich for the redemption of his soul it contains several windows of ancient stained glass which have been recently restored one of them at the east end of the north isle is evidently of foreign design and probably flemish fifteenth century work there is a rabbit warren on the coast upon which on a fine day innumerable bunnies disport themselves until summoned to help feed the mighty metropolis close to the southeast corner of Martham broad is west somerton or the land of giants for it was the home of the hales family the norfolk giants the daughters were all over six foot and the sons ranged from six foot six inches to seven foot three inches a relative still lives in the village whose shoulder i just overtopped when standing beside him and i am quite six foot high it was quite a treat to feel so small when the church of st mary was being repaired in eighteen sixty seven a mural painting twelve foot long was discovered between the windows in the nave which had been covered with several layers of plaster and whitewash the subject was the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and majesty several other wall paintings were subsequently found all of which have been carefully preserved in eighteen sixty eight a very interesting early english painting of the virgin and child was found under the floor of the pulpit a hospital for lepers was founded here in the reign of henry the second by ralph de granville lord chief justice of england now having seen all that is noteworthy on the thurn we return to yarmouth where i will take leave of my reader as i have i think fulfilled the promise given when i took him aboard the lily by escorting him to all the broads of interest and over two hundred and fifty miles of delightful river-way if the voyageur wishes to see more of the rivers this number of miles may be greatly exceeded as there are no end of dykes channels and nooks which are worth exploring to which i have made no reference I have confined myself simply to the rivers which connect the various broads, but the Yare, the Waveney, and the Bure are navigable for canoes and rowboats for many miles beyond the places at which we have stopped in our present cruise, and these districts will form delightful excursions for the hunter of things rustic and picturesque. I would point out for the benefit of those fond of walking that some delightful strolls may be indulged in without any great amount of fatigue, as the broad district is everywhere flat and some parts of it well wooded. I think a stroll through the villages and a chat with some of the peasants always disclose something of interest the patois of the people is very curious to those who are not accustomed to it. Trusting that this brief guide may be of service to the many who visit this happy hunting ground of the East, I will now say farewell, hoping that my reader may have fine weather and a pleasant time whenever he may feel disposed to take a trip on the broads and rivers of Norfolk. I may add, as a kind of postscript, that I do not mind answering queries by post so long as the questions are concise and not too numerous. This I undertake as a sort of penance for any little shortcomings or omissions in this book. End of chapter Eleven.